to DTC Pod, where we take you behind the wheel with the best founders and operators of consumer brands. You'll learn the ins and outs of business from setting up shop, hitting your first million, scaling past eight figures, and even navigating an exit. As founders ourselves, our goal is to help you learn from the best as you build. Visit us at DTCPod.com to sign up for our weekly newsletter, join our founder community, and find additional resources from every episode. DTC Pod is brought to you by Trend, the creative solution for your brand. Go to trend.io to access thousands of creators for content needs such as product photography, unboxing videos, or even TikTok and IG organic creative. Use the code DTCPOD10 for 10% off your next content purchase. Are you curious how much your business is worth? Get your free no obligation offer from OpenStore at open.store. The subscription market is predicted to grow nearly $500 billion by 2025. Recharge is the leading subscription management solution, helping e-commerce merchants of all sizes launch and scale their subscription offerings. Over 15,000 merchants use subscriptions powered by Recharge to grow their business and their communities by increasing average order value, reducing churn, and providing predictable recurring revenue. Turn transactions into long-term customer relationships and experience seamless subscription commerce with Recharge. Check them out at rechargepayments.com forward slash DTCPod. What's up, DTC Pod? Today we're joined by Sonia Deshpande, who is the Senior Manager of Brand Marketing at Aura. So, Sonia, why don't you kick us off? Tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and what you do at Aura. Yeah, thanks uh, so much, Blaine, for having me. Very, very excited to be here today. Um, I can give a quick background about myself. I grew up in India, so sort of going way back, um, and then moved to the U.S. for college, uh, spent a few years in Boston, and then um, you know ended up in New York, and, and was fascinated by the world of advertising and marketing since a young age, and, and always sort of, and had learned about, had studied about it in college, and, and decided to, to be in, you know, what better place to be in if you want to be a marketer than, than New York City. Um, so what started out as a few internships in advertising eventually turned into um, a career. Um, so I spent some time at big creative and media agencies like PhD, uh, VML, YNR, part of sort of the WPP Omnicom large holding uh, holding companies, and then more recently moved over to Aura Ring. Uh, my introduction to Aura came at a funny time during the pandemic where I felt quite a bit like a couch potato and was figuring out ways to be more active and um, take care of myself. And a friend recommended the ring. Um, and next thing I know, I was obsessed with the product and, and was so convinced that it was going to change the world that I wanted to go work for the company. Um, so I think my my fascination with wearables goes back a little to uh, to those COVID times when we were all trying to figure out how to be more active. But at Aura today, a lot of my my role is balancing uh, our brand work as well as running a lot of the go to market campaigns. So you know, positioning, um, driving sort of how we show up in our communications, uh, product launches, brand initiatives. So really sort of covering the full spectrum of marketing, whether it's culture moments like um, you know Valentine's Day gifting moments holiday moments uh, big product launches like our Gen 3 launch last year um, or if it's a big collaboration like Gucci I'm sort of the person um, that's pulled in uh, to make sense of the madness um, I absolutely love it I think it pulls on a lot of my or draws from a lot of my my skills from my agency days um, that were very focused on 
um, you know, finding what makes people tick, really digging into the cultural category landscape. So, so yeah, I absolutely love it. Yeah, and one reason we're really excited to have you on on the show today, Sonia, is the fact that I think brand marketing is one of those really interesting topics, especially in today's marketing landscape, right? So much of DTC is uh, performance and it's performance is almost put against brand, but I know, and this is something that we've chatted about, is how these two lines are really, they're synergistic, they're really important, and building a brand allows you to really accelerate your your performance initiative. So, um, you know, why don't you just clarify a little bit about maybe what those differences are between brand marketing and performance marketing? Yeah, that's a that's a great question, Blaine, and great way to start. It's actually funny when I when I think about brand marketing and performance marketing, what I've been hearing from you know various leaders and CMOs and and other brand uh, brand leaders in the industry who I admire is that they shouldn't be the same. You know, all marketing should be performance driving, right? And that feels so obvious, uh, but it's so true. Um, so so when I think about marketing or just how I've tried to make sense of this world of performance and brand and how do you make investments that lead to growth, whether it's, you know, uh, more people buying your product or whether it's more people uh, loving your product from a brand standpoint, thinking of them in these sort of compartmentalized ways is actually uh, probably more detrimental to to brand building than anything. So I think per, you know the way I think about it is performance marketing works better, o- will only work rather if it comes from a strong brand. So all marketing should be performance driving. I think it's just really about, you know, what types of um, not necessarily needs you're trying to solve, but really what types of communications you're you're putting out into the world and, and what you hope to gain out of your consumer, um, you know, whether it's really sort of telling them what you're about at the highest level. Um, I sort of see that as, um, you know, almost like a, a bit of a speed date with the consumer, like here's what I'm about as a brand, here's what I stand for, here's my purpose, and then really leading them um, all the way through um, and giving them a reason to buy. And I think that's somewhere where a lot of those like lower funnel conversion tactics, as we call it, really come into play. Um, so I think thinking about it less from you know the standpoint of like okay what's a conversion versus like what's a brand upper funnel metric i think gets gets really really messy so i love to sort of think about it as this like holistic you know this holistic like brand marketing is everything uh, and should be performance driving and and brand uh, you know is is certainly a, a big part of it so so Sonia, the next question that I wanted to ask you in terms of brand marketing is, I think one thing that's really unique about Aura is you guys have really made it to, um, you know, you guys have grown to the point where it's really become almost a household name, right? Maybe it started a little bit more niche where people who are like biohacker sort of people or people who were like really into fitness and wanted to track everything were using it. But then over time, the brand kind of evolved and it became more approachable for the masses and where, you know, I go out, I see a lot of my friends uh, wearing aura rings and it's like a pretty, um, pretty ubiquitous sort of thing. So how does throughout the evolution of a brand, as you start to like reach more and more people where people know what you are, how does that change, um, your role and what, what does brand marketing, I guess, become and what are the kind of initiatives that you then try to go for as you continue to think about go to market? 
Yeah, I think that's a really great question. I mean, you know, and 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 great to see that you have friends who use Aura. It's always a always a great thing, certainly to hear as a as a brand manager. Um, I think in terms of, I really like your question because it does hit on some interesting notes around, you know, how do you evolve brand building, right? I think when you're early in your startup journey, I think as as just any brand, you're you're trying to build mental recognition, you're trying to build recall, you're essentially just trying to be a part of of the consumer's mind and I think when you become more mainstream and you you do become more of a household name as you said I think the the work to be done there is is I think still very much focused on demonstrating your value as a brand and what you continue to bring I think to users um, I'm I personally am a huge fan of Patagonia I think you know they've been around for so many years uh, but every single piece of brand advertising that they do communicates the value of, of why they exist. So I think that, you know, we, we hear we hear this so much, but, you know, attention economy, we're losing people, three-second attention span. Uh, but I think it's more important than ever to, I think, remind people why you exist. So even if you are a household name, even if you are mainstream, I think giving consumers more uh, points of connection and um, deepening their understanding of what you bring to their life uh, and I think what you stand for um, is, is more important than ever and I think and, and not necessarily doing it in a way where you're just catching on a movement or you know sort of climate change is hot right now so like let me go be all about that women's health is great right now so let me go jump on that but I think in, in a way where you're certainly doing it in a in a way that's very authentic to your values, but also where you're not necessarily ignoring your bottom line. I think, you know, there's there's this um, way of balancing bottom line and, and growth uh, and being a force for for good while being a force for growth. Um, so I think you can do that in a way where you're still you know being being very, very uh, brand driven and you're communicating your value because to consumers, but you're doing that in a way that's, that's still sort of driving your bottom line and, and product. Yeah, I really like that idea about um, just keep almost keeping it simple and really staying true to your brand, especially as you, you scale. I think it might be easy for a lot of brands to be like, oh, people already know us. And then you start thinking about all the different things you can do. And that can kind of lead to like scope creep of like what your brand really is. When in reality, like you said, people are um, distracted with so much stuff going on that in order to like build that brand so it's like anchored in someone's mind when they they know I need a health product or like I need a health tracker I want to get an aura like you need to kind of be be true to that brand over and over and over um, through all your assets your digital assets your media assets your communication assets all over the place to like build that holistic um, brand image. Uh, the other thing that you just mentioned that I definitely want to get into is you mentioned about um, almost competing in this uh, economy that we're in where it's like three second attention span for everything, if that, right? I know TikTok and Instagram Reels, maybe you don't even have three seconds to catch someone's attention. So in the lens of the fact that there's so many people creating content, there's con there's new content every second. It's almost like you can't keep up with all the new pieces of content that are vying for that limited att consumer attention span. How do you think about brand marketing in that lens and what types of like campaigns and activations would you focus on to be able to stand out despite um, consumer attention in that landscape? Yeah, I, I love that. I love that question because actually it ties to a really good article I read recently uh, about how marketers should need to, I'm going to 
I'm going to butcher this and promise to give credit to, to the actual author once I, once I look this up. But um, marketers need to think like showrunners. Uh, and how sort of, you know, it shouldn't be like you're not as a marketer, you shouldn't necessarily and certainly as a, as brand marketers, you shouldn't be thinking of like, OK, from one campaign, I'm, I'm going to now go to another campaign to to my third or fourth campaign in your, you know, from from quarter to quarter or for your full year. But it's really sort of thinking like showrunners in terms of like seasons. Right. And in what your the types of stories you're you're telling your consumers um through through your campaigns, and I think those messages need not be extremely different. I think it's um, they they all sort of still need to need to deliver that same uh, like the essence needs to be the same. You know, really, I think that that's what it matters. You could be communicating about different products, you could be talking about different features in our case, or communicating different value propositions. But the essence of why you are serving that audience, I think, needs to be pretty consistent. Um, so you know, in 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 the case of whether it's, you know, TikTok or Reels, to your point, or, you know, really any other form of communication that, that, that we're competing against. I think thinking of it as like, how are you using um, the channels as a vessel, I think, more than anything else to bring that message to life and not necessarily designing for the channel? Like, okay, what is my TikTok strategy, right? I feel like that's often what a lot of brands default to but i think it's like what's the message and what do we really want to tell people and then truly using whether it's tiktok instagram you know very any other really form of communication email marketing even for that matter using that as a a place then to serve up that message um is, is sort of how I like to think about it. And I think that's how a lot of, you know, brands that are extreme, extremely successful in this space uh, are doing that as well. I'm uh, quite a big, uh, you know, fan of Duolingo's TikTok. They're extremely unexpected. They're unconventional. They've completely sort of uh, rewired how I think about them as a brand just by their presence on TikTok. And I don't think they're thinking about it as a strategy or a campaign. I think they're just thinking about what they want to tell people or the message they want to communicate and are simply using the channel to their uh, to, to fulfill that um, in the most creative way possible. Yeah, that's a really interesting vantage point because I think that a lot of brands can almost get wrapped up in the latest trend and the latest moment and like going after almost like chasing different ways of going viral without with while losing some of the the core of the brand so um i would even say that i think so long as you are like who's ever overseeing the brand marketing initiatives and the brand really in general should be a part of all of those conversations even though like you're saying TikTok, you're going to need your a specific voice and maybe the content and the way you produce the content isn't going to be the same on that channel as another one so maybe it is a real a collaboration between you know someone who really knows the intricacies of the TikTok platform and what content types perform best along with the collaboration of the person who's kind of in the brand seat and can kind of keep that universal lens so this leads me into my next topic is i'm sure your role at aura or even the other projects that you've worked on in the past is a pretty cross-functional one right so what does your day-to-day look like in those terms are you working with a bunch of different teams like how do you how do you maintain this unified message across all these different channels across all these different partnerships initiatives and collaborations yeah i love that question it's actually really interesting because i I think that 
while what I do now may, you know, sort of feels different to, to me at least in my day-to-day than what I may have done um, in, in my past life as sort of a brand strategist and planner and then media strategist, um, I think there's actually more synergies um, than, than you know, that I've been noticing lately and, and in the last um, uh, in the last year or so that I've been at Aura. I think what's really interesting is that the fundamentals in strategy around your, you know, the, the sort of classic four C's framework, the, the you know, your consumer, your category, your the, the culture, um, and um, the competition, and how you how you frame that. Um, I think that is something that has certainly translated for me really well into what I'm doing at Aura as well. So really understanding like who are we solving for, right? Whether it's a meeting with the product marketing team, meeting with product, supply chain operations, really understanding sort of what is that experience that we're delivering to our end user. Um, and for me, the challenge has been like not thinking about it just in terms of like a purchase journey where it's like, okay, this is awareness, this is consideration, this is conversion, but really breaking those silos um, and understanding, okay, from a human experience standpoint, like what do we want people to hear at this point? What, what do they need to, you know, what's going to offer them reassurance um, uh, when they're trying to troubleshoot um, cust- with customer service? Like what's going to offer them reassurance um, when they're coming on, a, you know, coming onto our website and learning more about our features. So really thinking about it in terms of like, what's the full experience? And I think that's where I think a lot of the the agency training that you get early on, where you're servicing, you know, multiple different brands with who are dealing with complex brand challenges, business challenges, you're really understanding, I think, um, through that, how to solve for that human experience. So I think that's something that I've really been able to, um, to translate during my day-to-day at Aura. And I think what's also exciting is that, uh, you know, I think being a part of a high-growth startup and, and, you know, just being sort of... Um, being a little bit of a product owner, if you will, because, you know, you are sort of like not only a custodian of the brand, but you're also in charge of a really, you know, breaking down what the product means to consumers. You, I think, learn to introspect a lot as well. So really sort of going back into, um, you know, what do our members often say about us? Like, well, how do we how do we market um our membership model how do we create value for people i think you really get introspective because you're now suddenly thinking about not just marketing you're thinking about 100 different parts of uh you know of, of the machine uh that that is the you know the, the business of uh, you know health and, and and aura and i think you you then get really really introspective and you start to understand okay well it's just so much more than um you know than marketing so i've really enjoyed that enjoyed the cross-functional nature of my of my new role what i like about that is i think a lot of brands and a lot of people a lot of the time will think about things in terms of applying a unified experience across um, all these different platforms. So they always, you always hear the buzzword, oh, let's, you know, omni-channel experience and you want uh, this holistic brand experience. But I, I feel like a lot of um, operators uh, or companies maybe don't do such a great job of like thinking it through the lens of brand. Maybe they think like, oh, customer service, I should have really good customer service. And then thinking, oh, marketing, I should have like really good catchy marketing copy with like a lot of great open rates. And then thinking about product like, oh, I should have product, but not like really applying that lens of brand to all those different facets of the business. Like this even has me just thinking right now, right? Like brands have different values and different identities and different voices and like, you know, just saying, oh, be a really good customer service and like be really friendly to people. It's like, yeah, that's that's 
interesting, but like that doesn't necessarily mean like your brand will come through, right? It's just like, okay, I'm talking um, to like great customer service people at all these brands, which is kind of table stakes, but almost thinking about like, how can we tie in our brand values and the things that make us unique into all these different channels? So there is that like real human feeling like you're alluding to. I think that's a really um, fascinating concept that I think there's probably, you know, that probably not all brands really do uh, a good enough job at. Yeah, and, and you know, it's, um, it's, I think it's hard, it's hard to get it right. Um, I think it's really, really hard because I think it's also really, you know, I think there is this like perception that brand building is expensive, right? I feel like that that's like the, the, the general perception around like investing your dollars in necessarily like awareness driving tactics or, or something that feels like it's, you know, going to generate, like it's not going to generate that immediate result. But actually I think what's interesting, um, and I think what a lot of you know brand researchers has also been investigating recently is a brand building should be driving short-term sales too. Because I think as part of brand building, you are building awareness. I mean, the fundamental job is to uh, is to just get you know is to stick in people's minds and you know you know create that sense of recall, right? That oh right, like I know what this is or I've seen this before. Sort of creating that reaction in people, and if you do that, you should technically be also driving short-term sales. So I think, of course, it you know to really get a, a really strong sense of brand growth, it is a little bit of a long-term initiative because then you, you do want to get really deep into your brand health metrics and look at like, you know, certainly look at growth year over year and how that's changed and what initiatives um, you drew that. So, so yes, in terms of analysis, it is a little bit of a long game, but, but I think that you can also play the short game with brand because in, in brand building should inherently drive short-term sales. So it shouldn't necessarily only be seen as a thing that, okay, cool, this is going to happen in the background. I'm going to measure it, you know, and, uh, and I'm going to keep investing in performance on a day-to-day. I, th- I think the, the magic is in, in, uh, in balancing it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the next topic I wanted to get into is the, I guess, you know, we don't have to call it perfect attribution of brand marketing. But like you said, if you do something that's amazing, it drives a lot of awareness. Sure, not everyone's going to convert. Maybe they're not in the state where they're ready to buy, but there should be, you know, some bleed over conversion. Um, so that could, that would lead me into my question, which would be how do you, when you guys think about running any sort of campaign, right? Like what goes into the campaign as well as like from the onsets, like how do you set targets about what you expect to measure and recoup? Are you just looking for bumps in conversion to say, oh, yep, this registered and we did get a little performance bump that we weren't expecting? Or like, how do you, I guess, measure, uh, how, how do you do attribution of if your, if your brand marketing is working and, and, and the success of it? Yeah, it, it, I think this is a really, really interesting question that I'm sure a lot of like growth marketing and brand marketing teams probably butt heads over and then, uh, and, you know, and try to figure out as they come up with their, um, you know, their 
fiscal planning and marketing planning for for the year certainly i think what's what's interesting um and this is something that i recently came across um while i was part of a brand marketing academy at, at the can line festival this year um is called something is called the creative effectiveness ladder i think this this idea of creative effectiveness and what that means um is something that i think work has has actually done a great job at breaking down and understanding that there are different types of ideas and when you're investing for growth um the the understanding what planning for short term and long term growth looks like is key so there are some ideas that are probably going to you know deliver sales and create sustained growth but then there are some breakthrough ideas that are going to probably drive change in consumer behavior right so i think like balancing that a little bit and and thinking through it through the lens of like creative effectiveness um and and what that looks like helps in i think then informing attribution because i think attribution if you if you just look at okay well looking at it at i think a very very broad level can get really messy um just because i think you know you you won't be you won't be measuring against the objectives you actually set out so i think you know in terms of how i like to think about a lot of our initiatives at or as well as like well what's our objective right like what do we actually want to achieve out of this moment campaign launch you know campaign launch product launch um feature launch whatever it might be so really understanding like what what does our investment service at the highest level and then using that as a way to then understand okay cool if this is really about x or if this is about building brand trust or if this is about um you know really driving um sales because we you know we're de- delivering on um you know an incredible product like really sort of starting there and setting those objectives as a way to then plan for uh plan for maximum growth and i think you know sort of again going back to some of the work research as well that i found really fascinating is is also going really broad i mean i, I know that like tar- there's so much research around targeting and case studies and and you know tons of information to unpack around attitudinal segments and psychographic behaviors and how can you you know enhance your targeting but actually like going broad and using your media budget to reach as many category buyers as possible is like the the fundamental part of marketing that often i think we you know we tend to lose out um just because of the information overload we think marketers have and the decisions they have to make so i think sticking to the you know uh, the 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 broad approach um i think as well when you're thinking about marketing uh, and targeting is a um is a big one to keep in mind and that can also i think inevitably help your attribution yeah and really what it sounds like is you're you're almost approaching your brand marketing as like an investor right you're you're thinking okay maybe this investment isn't paying off immediately but so long as i have a couple objectives that I'd like to achieve and maybe we can register whether it's impressions or um or or some some baseline metric to quantify like what you're getting in the beginning and then saying the like we this is also going to be an investment in brand and this is how much we're investing this is the uh, amount we expect to be able to attribute for and at least if you go into that test knowing that x amount you're going to be able to attribute for x amount is getting marked down as an investment that could pay you back in spades down the line like that's how you have to frame it you can't fr- it, it's not so black and white right totally yeah 
I think it's only getting harder. I mean, it's a fascinating time to be, uh, you know, a marketer. And I, I think like whether no matter how uh, for I think further along you are in your career, no matter whether you're starting, I think more than ever, um, you know, marketers, I think, need to just be curious, hungry and, and just embrace any new information. Um, technologies, I think approaches to marketing that they that they can I think just being open at this time is probably the, the most important thing because I think it's, you know, it's changing a ton. And I love love sort of how you framed it that, you know, marketers need to think like investors because that is really the name of the game. Currently, you have to be very agile. I think you have to be very open and very flexible because um, some of the, the best, you know, marketing brand performance no matter what it is is it's just coming from brands that are um that are open i think that are not afraid to take risks they're jumping in they're moving with agility they're changing their operations they're changing you know transforming their business um choosing unconventional partners they're really doing whatever they need to in that moment to um to make a mark um so so i think agility and and openness um, is the name of the game currently yeah and another thing that I've been hearing a bunch with some of our guests on the show is like, we'll be talking about it. And I think for a long time in the beginning, there was like this massive arbitrage opportunity for brands working with different creators and influencers. And then everything started to become about like, you know, the facts and reporting when a lot of times maybe what a creator does when they like work with their brand is like they're informing their audience about your product we're the, and the creators that we're talking to, it seems like the brand engagements that, that are working the best for them are the ones that aren't just like a, a single post thing. It's like they develop a relationship, they're constantly talking and that serves like as a really nice sort of awareness thing um, for the brand in terms of like developing that narrative. Um, so I don't know, I just think it's, it's sort of interesting because like if you take it too far and just say, I expect I'm gonna run this campaign and everything is gonna convert immediately, that's a bit unrealistic. And as well as if, if you just say, oh, this is gonna be an investment, and I don't know anything about it. Like that's, that's also, you don't wanna be on, on that side as well. So the next question that I have is, it seems like one thing that you've really like prided yourself on um, in your career, whether it's your agency or what you're doing at Aura is like the ability to unlock different, uh, maybe, new innovative sort of partnerships that not everyone is sort of thinking about right um so one partnership that you guys just pulled off with uh aura was a collaboration with gucci for example i don't think that was something that maybe everyone expected and like like you were saying your job in brand marketing is to kind of pull off the the unexpected and, and be able to you know lead these sort of projects where there's there's really cool opportunities so why don't you tell us a little bit um however you can about maybe a little bit about how a project like that, a collaboration like that came together and different frameworks for looking for these types of, of opportunities. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's, there's so much to talk about that collaboration was certainly a milestone moment for me in, in my, in my own career. I think what's the, the essence of it and, um, the, the most simple way to put it is you, you have to, you know, no matter which brand you partner with, I think you have to stay true to what your brand brings to the table. Right. Um, so I think for, for us as well, like, and certainly I think for, for this collaboration, we were thinking about what we bring to the table. I think being very true to, um, um, you know, or a sort of mission around um, health as a daily practice and, and really sort of using that to anchor what Gucci's role in the partnership is was, was very critical. Um, so I think, you know, when, when you do sort of, you are in that position where you um, 
receive an unconventional partner who's very interested in you as a brand or wants to go to market with you, I think taking a step back and seeing, you know, what is that common ground um, as a brand that you can own, um, I think is very important. I think for the collaboration it ended with, you know, the journey of self-discovery. Um, and I think that's really interesting because I think Aura is, you know, very, very focused on giving you insights and information um, and, and this idea of self-knowledge, right, that can increase well-being for you no matter who you are, no matter where you are in your health journey, is really about listening to your body's unique signals. And I think, interestingly, like as a, as a brand, Gucci has always stood for self-expression, has done, um, you know, has made a ton of strides in that in that domain, in, in whether it's the types of partnerships they've um struck or the types of press or creators they attract so i think owning that idea of self um certainly felt like a very rich territory for for both brands to anchor in and and that's something that i think you know at the heart uh, of the story felt very true to to both to both brands so i think that's, that's probably when you know when you receive that unconventional partner i think finding a way to to really um i think tell a story that's unique to both brands is is very critical and what was the, um, just for context for the audience, and what was the actual uh, collaboration? Yeah, so the, the, the collaboration was a, was a ring, it was a, essentially a, um, you know, Aura, um, Aura, powered by Aura's tech and in Gucci's silhouette. Um, so we created a, a custom custom ring uh, with Gucci that was um, launched in, in May this year. So it was uh, displayed in various stores around the world and um and and yeah just an exciting exciting real life uh real life product powered by uh yep real life experience real life product powered by Aura's tech cool and then um another just the last question uh about that is where was it sold? So it, 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 you guys powered the tech and then it was sold in a couple of different Gucci locations. Was it available online through you guys? Like were in, in terms of like the partnership did, um, you know, was it just like a, a brand partnership and that was the scope of it or was there any more scope to the, the partnership? Um, yeah, no, it was just, you know, sold through Gucci's uh, website and, and stores. Awesome. Um, and the next question I'd have as it pertains to partnership is, I think this is a trend that we've started to see between uh, you know, consumer brands and commerce brands and different, whether it's creators where creators will have their own product lines or two brands that have similar audiences like team up and like uh, release a product together and that sort of thing. Um, how do you, like, what are you seeing from the general landscape? Are there any collaborations that have like stuck out to you that you are like, oh, I think this, one was really cool. I know, um, I think a, a good way to think about it is like in the beginning you had, everyone was kind of relying on their own performance to grow. And then Facebook came in and, um, did the iOS 14 updates. And then all of a sudden, I think brands started to realize like, Hey, wait a minute. Like we're, we've all been growing our brands ourselves. We have similar audiences. Like if we collaborate with a brand that like they've already built their brand, we've built our brand. We have consumers that probably share interests and likeness and that sort of thing. So it, it makes the, it seems like it makes the playing field for these types of uh, joint brand collaborations a lot more fruitful moving forward. And I think we'll probably see a lot more of those. So are there any interesting projects that 
uh, on the outside that you you've noticed that have caught your attention or any that you'd love to see? Yeah, I'm actually. I mean, I'm you know a bit of a Gucci fan girl, so I thought that that their collaboration with North Face was really really interesting. Um, you know, I think apparel feels like a very very obvious space for them, but I think just partnering with North Face specifically and really anchoring again in 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 this idea of you know how you express yourself differently. Um, as as a whether you're a fashion brand, whether you're a outdoors brand, I think is is really interesting. I also think there's something to be said about these high low to you know collaborations that are often you know coming up and and uh, I think disrupting the marketplace a little bit. Um, to think that adds the sense of unexpectedness and not necessarily high low in terms of like brand cachet. I think just more in terms of like um, you know luxury brands really picking up. Um, uh, picking up mainstream brands, I think, and, and running with them and creating really interesting, unique, um, unique collections um, that that, again, I think, demonstrate what both the brands stand for quite beautifully. So I felt like North Face and Gucci did that really well. Something that is interesting now that you mentioned that I, I wasn't familiar with the, the North Face collab, but it almost seems like Gucci, like what they're able to do is they've built their own brand and then they're looking for all these collaborations that are it's like it's almost just on the edge of like what you would like you're saying it's a little bit unexpected it's almost like what you would think is unacceptable but then they do it and what probably works out really well for them is they've got a bit of audience overlap but they're also really exposing their brand to like maybe people who wouldn't even have thought about like Gucci, you're like, so you have all these like North Face people who would be like, oh, I'm like super outdoorsy. I wouldn't be into Gucci. And then they do this collaboration. And then all these other people are like, oh, wait a minute. Like, so I think it's it's kind of an interesting framework when you're thinking about it. Maybe it's not just about building these audiences that are perfect overlap, perfect lookalike, but maybe it is about like, you know, where is that boundary where you're also able to like introduce your brand in a way that's still true to your brand to like these new sort of um, new new consumer bases. Yeah, I, I, I love that. I actually think like it's a great uh, way to create future demand. You know, you may not, people who you may not have, who may not be ready to buy you today, even for that matter, but but you're, you're touching on them through these collaborations, you're bringing them in. Um, so I think it's a great way to target large and new audiences. I think it's a great way to stand out. Um, just doing something that's unexpected again, um, you know, just really sort of capturing that awareness and recall. Um, and I think also bonding emotionally. I think it just, you know, you're you're creating a little bit of an emotion when you strike these partnerships as well. You're you're letting I think your your consumer sort of define what the reason for that might be or or the essence of the partnership. I think there's like a lot of like canvas of um, canvas for creativity that you pass on to your consumer. So it's like you're yes, you're telling your story, but you're also leaving a lot open for for interpretation. I think kind of like a piece of art. Um, so so I think that there is this art and science magic to uh, collaborations that's really, you know, electric and can do a lot for a brand. And, and I think they they also really help create um, create future demand as well. Certainly, you know, capturing new audiences and, and reaching um, new members that that might not be in your in your market today. So certainly a huge uh, uh, time expanding opportunity, as they say. Yeah, and I mean, I I remember I even saw Gucci was doing some like NFT collaborations and all this thing. So now that now that you mention it, definitely seems like they're they're really they're really good at at expanding their TAM. Um, 
Okay, so as we sort of wrap up here, um, I guess one of the last questions that I'd have in, in terms of like branding and some of the stuff that you guys are working on are, are there any other like, um, you know, are there any other projects or things that you've been a part of, whether it's at Aura or throughout your career in agency that you think have been like really formative in your ex in developing your experience as a brand marketer and any lessons that you can take away from those experiences? Yeah, it's a great question. I think, you know, if you, in your audience who might be in the world of agencies or work with agencies will be all too familiar with this, with the concept of pitching. But I think the the game of new business in agencies and, and pitching uh, is obviously very, very important to driving, you know, revenue for the agency. But I think it, it sets, gives you some very, very critical skills, I think, as a um, as a strategy person sort of contributing to a pitch. Um, I think the the ability to think very quickly on your feet of of what a what you know, what your potential uh, you know, business or client that you're trying to attract, like what might be their business problem, what might be their consumer problem. You're often thinking, uh, thinking of some really creative retail media ideas in a very, very short period of time. Sometimes, you know, a week, two weeks. Uh, you know, you may not have heard of the business before. Oftentimes, it could be from really any category. So I think this pitching muscle when you're in the agency business and the exposure you get to that, and thinking on your feet and being really sharp in terms of like what are some really sort of interesting, groundbreaking, and I think commercially. Uh, and commercial success driving ideas that you can pitch and would attract, I think, a business to you as a, as a partner. Uh, I think like that muscle that you you get in your in your agency training, I think is um, is is pretty incredible, and that can go a long way because I think it just um, you know it's it's easy to I think default to what you know and and sort of patterns that feel familiar to your brand and to your team. I think um, you know being that that really I think for me I've drawn on a lot of my like pitching experience to to keep things fresh and to keep me inspired. Yeah, and it's really I guess it's it's developing that like you're saying that empathy muscle almost for whomever it, who whomever you're selling to, and I'm sure that skill set's very transferable when you're in your seat at Aura and you're trying to think of you know the customer, and again you're just building that relationship and you're almost like pitching and developing that relationship with uh, the customers that are, you know, are, are buying from you guys. So, um, and one last thing, any other brands that stand out to you, maybe on the earlier side of things, so maybe not as scaled up as you guys are, but are there any uh, earlier stage consumer brands that have like piqued your interest recently? Yeah, um, it's, it's really funny. I mean, maybe because I've recently uh, now I'm in the pet business because I recently uh, bought a dog. Uh, as what part what of, kind of dog? He's a he's a cavapoo, and I was part of a statistic during COVID where everyone was uh, adopting puppies, and and I was definitely a, you know one of the people that did that. So I've been very interested in you know D to C brands in the pet in the pet space, and I think that. There are some very, very interesting companies. I mean, certainly, like, I think Chewy is a great example of just, um, you know, marketplace that's always keeping things fresh, 
for for people in the market for pet products. But I think the amount of growth in the um, in the pet space, I think in general, uh, whether it's you know veterinary services like Bond Vet, whether it's um, you know food, I think that um, it's it's very very interesting to see like how that market is positioning themselves to consumers and and a lot of brands in that space, I think, are doing a really fascinating job of keeping your I think keeping the consumer engaged um, and really like sort of telling the right stories and hitting on the right messages um, to attract that audience. So, so just, I've been, that's like a, no, not necessarily like a one brand, but that's like a space I think that I've been super interested by um, just cause um, you know, even from a market growth standpoint, I mean, there is a ton of opportunity there and so many brands that are doing such a great job. So I think one, it's definitely a space to watch, I think, over the next few years. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a, actually a new, new dog owner as well. I have a, a chow chow and um, just getting caught up to speed on that entire landscape. That's been really fascinating. I know there's a lot of really exciting D2C like consumer or like veterinary sort of based businesses you've got you've got your traditional like commerce products that and then you have um you know then there's the whole service economy around dogs as well like daycares hotels like all this kind of stuff so there's there's it's a massive market and um and yeah definitely really fascinating we'll have to get some some uh some of those pet brands on and we'll 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 pick apart their their game plans as well but anyway sonia um really enjoyed having you on the show it was really uh really really cool to hear about all the different ways you think about brand marketing what it really means how it differentiates from some of the different channels how you guys work cross-functionally across teams to ensure that you guys are making good good investments how you guys are running great collaborations um and so for our listeners who might be interested in learning more, connecting with you, where are the best places? Are you on LinkedIn? Are you on Twitter? Um, where can they find out about more about you yourself as well as Aura Ring the brand? Yeah. Um, so for me, I'm, I'm definitely on LinkedIn. Um, so just Sonia Deshpande on LinkedIn. Uh, for Aura, our Instagram's the best place. Please go to our website as well. You know, a lot of great information about the product. Um, and then I'm also active on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram is Sonia D. Betty. Um, so that's another space where I do, you know, put, moonlight as is marketer, but mostly just share pictures of my dog. <laughs> so you can uh, you can find me on Instagram if you're if you fancy a dog picture. Amazing! Thanks so much for coming on the show, Sonia. Awesome! Thanks, Blaine. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of DTC Pod. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love your support. A rating and a review would go a long way as we continue to host the best builders in DTC and beyond. Follow and subscribe to the show, and make sure to check out our show notes where you can find our socials and weekly newsletter. Visit us on dtcpod.com to join our founder community and access resources from every episode. We'll see you on the next pod.